You're listening to Happy from the Inside Out with Megan Bunner, episode number seven. Happiness is a skill and one that you can learn. Each week, I'll bring you timeless wisdom, inspiring stories, and practical tips on how to permanently reduce your stress and love the life you've been given. This work turned my life around, and I believe it will be equally as amazing for you. Let's get started. Hello, hello. This episode is releasing on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I hope that you're having a beautiful holiday with your family and experiencing all of the the warm connection and all of the feels today. I hope you're having a wonderful day. So we are going to start today off by talking about our actions and how they don't have anything to do with us being lovable. So I am in the personal development industry and I work with people on cultivating things like mental health and positive habits that support their lives and helping them feel connected to their lives. And all of these are beautiful things. As humans, we are compelled to grow. We desire to get better and to do new things and to reach new heights that we've never achieved before. This is a hallmark of being human. And we are created with this ability to plan things in advance and to achieve things. And it's really wonderful. Now, like anything, there are positive and negative sides to this, and and so we're going to talk about some of that. The negative side of personal development is when we try to do things so that we feel worthy and we feel lovable, so that we feel like we're good enough or even just good. Now, this isn't limited to personal development because a lot of times people don't even know about this world. And so they, they're they on their own or just trying to take actions so that they can feel like they're good enough. This is the dark side of things. Our actions are a big deal because they do create the results that we have in our lives. If our action is to overeat, then we create the result of extra weight on our bodies. And you know, if our action is to hide from conflict, then the result may be that we have chaos in our internal and our external environments and relationships. Uh, if our action is to plan and execute on the plans, then the result is work completed. So if we're feeling stuck, we often want to know what to do to fix it. We want the quick fix. You know, I hear, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And for lots of people, this is enough. They can hear what to do and they just go and do it. But so many other times I hear people say, I know what to do, I'm just not doing it. And this is a really painful place to be. And when I ask why, they'll say something like, well, I'm lazy, or I just don't have the time, or it must not be that important to me, or it's just too hard, or even I just don't finish what I start. I rarely finish what I start. Now, all of these thoughts surround a person's dissatisfaction with their actions, the things they're doing or not doing, right? Some of them describe their self-perceived limitations, such as a skill gap. I just don't know enough. I need to know more. I need to go learn more. And 
this can keep some people in school for years and years and years pursuing more and more education. Not that higher education isn't amazing because it has beautiful things about it. But when people think, oh, I just need to get more education because that'll solve it. And then they can be a you know perpetual student. Um, or it could be a self-perceived limitation of a time constraint. You know, if only I had the time, I just have too much to do. And then others describe their character by their actions, as in their actions define how they judge themselves, such as, I'm lazy, I don't follow through, I'm screwed up, I'm damaged goods, I've got lots of baggage. And they use their judgment of their actions as a way to define their worth as a human. I want to be really clear here. Your worthiness and your lovability is complete. It's already whole. It's just as whole as the moment you were conceived and the day you were born and when you first learned to walk and the day you graduated from high school and then the day you got married and then had your first marital argument and then you had your own children and then yelled at them and then tried to do better the next time. Your lovability and your worthiness is complete. So it truly doesn't matter what you've done. Nothing has diminished your worthiness. I don't care how awful that you think your actions have been and how guilty you feel. None of that has diminished your actual worthiness and your lovability. Your actions have nothing to do with your worth as a human. So you can do things that you and other people may consider bad, but it can't detract from your worthiness and your lovability. You can try to explain to me why you're a screw up or why you're broken, and it may feel very true to you, but your worthiness and your wholeness and your actions aren't connected. Now, you and others might be making that connection through a negative judgment, but it, it's, I like to think that it's as false as a fairy tale. Now, the opposite is true too. You can do things that you and others may consider wonderful, but it doesn't add to your worthiness and your lovability. You can list all of the wonderful things you've done and someone else could even brag on your many, you know, magnificent qualifications. And those are all amazing, but they don't make you more lovable. They don't make you more worthy of love and respect as a human. They don't make you more of a person or even whole or complete. Your actions and who you are are separate. There's you, you know, your consciousness, your soul, and then there's the body that your soul occupies, and then there are the actions that you take or don't take while you're in that body. Who you are is separate from the things that you do. But since we're human and our brains love all or nothing thinking, we often draw direct lines from what we've done to who we are. We mistakenly determine or subjectively judge that who we are is based on what we've done. And then often we use those experiences as reasons to feel guilty for our behavior. And we'll say things like, that wasn't like me. I'm not normally like that or I wasn't myself, as if our worthiness can be summed up by the choices that we make. We mistakenly think our worth, our lovability is determined by what we've done or not done. 
And we even say this in social interactions, like, oh, she's such a sweetheart. She's so lovable. What we really mean is she makes it easy for me to feel love for her. Or when we say, all she does is complain. She's awful. We determine her lovability as a person to be low. What we're really saying, though, is I don't like what she does so much that I have a hard time feeling love for her. Now, the difference here may seem insignificant, but I assure you it is vital to catch this. It's vital because we often do this against ourselves. We feel guilty for things that we didn't have any or much of control over, or maybe we do, and we'll think, I really screwed up. Or we feel shame for things that happened or didn't happen, and we think, I'm such a failure. And we stay in this heaviness, and we we just we get stuck there. You are not a bad person because you've cheated someone. You are not a cheat. You're not a bad mom because you yelled at your kids. Your actions are totally separate from who you are. You're a mother who yelled at her kids. You're not a bad mother. When we describe a person as lovable, it isn't because they are more lovable than someone else. It's because we experience the feeling of love when we think of them. And likewise, when we describe someone as despicable, it doesn't mean that they are less worthy of love than the lovable person. It just means that we experience the feeling of disapproval or disgust when we think of them. We are the ones who carry the burdens of the emotions that we feel, not other people. So we may describe some people as lovable or despicable, but they are still 100% human and therefore 100% lovable because that is what their creator has said. We don't get to decide someone else's worthiness because we didn't create them. Even as parents, you know, we may have assisted in the process of creating life, but we don't know how to create life from nothing. Now, you may believe in God or universal consciousness or be an atheist or an agnostic or practice any other belief, and that's fine. But I think we can all agree that we can't create life from dust. Like we can't create dust and then create life. And it just, that's not my job. Since I'm a person of faith, I believe that that's God's job. And as the creator, he also understands the worthiness and use of his creation. We aren't the creator of humans, so we don't get to decide their worth. That's our creator's job. So many times we are inspired to do something because we think it's the right thing to do. And we mistakenly believe that doing the right thing somehow makes us a good person. Well, I would ask, good to whom? Other people? Is it God or ourselves? Who are we trying to prove this to? It's just really good to pay attention to. It is entirely possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. The right thing gets done, but the motives weren't pure. And so the motives were heavy and calculated and therefore you didn't feel good about it. And then you're even more tired and feeling poorly because of the decision. So we generally think we're following our conscience most often. And if we feel that something is right or wrong, we're doing the thing based on our conscience. And Google, according to the Googles, a conscience is an inner feeling or voice viewed as acting as a guide to the rightness or wrongness of one's behavior. And so we think if I follow my conscience, then I'll be fine. And if I don't follow my conscience, then I'll feel terrible. Now, I would like to offer an idea of a false conscience. 
Now, I'm not Catholic, but I discovered this phrase in a Catholic culture dictionary, and I think it really beautifully describes this process. And they use terms such as lawful and unlawful, which is related to religious doctrine, but I'm going to broaden this to what we typically think of as right and wrong. So this new definition of a false conscience sounds like this. A false conscience is a judgment of the mind when it incorrectly decides that something is the right or the wrong thing to do. The error may be due to the false principles used or because the mind was darkened or confused in its reasoning process. I would say that quite often humans make decisions from a darkened or confused reasoning process. Our brains like to tell us things are the right or the wrong decision when really things aren't as cut and dry as that. Probably much more of a gray area. Now, there are many moral situations where we've accepted things as the right and wrong choices, you know, right? And this is a beautiful thing and it helps protect us as a society. Beliefs like murder is the wrong thing to do and caring for those in need is the right thing to do. Where this hurts us is when we think our actions make us less or more of a human. Both errors negatively affect us. Our actions are a big deal, but they're not the whole story. And so this is how you can, and I'm air quoting here because I'm an air quoter, you can do all the right things and still feel awful. You can take care of your family in the most extravagant ways, and you can make sure your kids have amazing after school and summer activities. You can plan all types of marvelous experiences and vacations and keep your home clean and tidy, and you can feed them in ways that you decide are healthy you make sure they have the best clothes and yet you can still feel wound up and miserable and anxious and overwhelmed and all of the things. I too have fallen in this trap. I've incorrectly believed that, hey, it feels good to do the right thing. And I've been so confused why my emotions seemed like one giant powder keg. It's not the activity our actions that create our feelings. It's actually the way that we're thinking while we're doing the activity. And even as a life coach, I can fall prey to this. When I'm not paying attention to the default thoughts my brain is running on, I can watch the kids clean up after them, feed them, plan the excursions for us to do, take care of the laundry, grocery shopping, food prep, but still be stuck in a painful thought loop of, all I do is cook and clean for them all day. My work isn't really appreciated. Tomorrow is more of the same. Things are never going to change. I hate that this never ends. And when I'm in that headspace, the work is excruciating. I don't enjoy my work or my family. And, you know, it's miserable because I'm feeling resentful and hopeless and trapped and victimy. But when I'm thinking on purpose and when I'm managing my mind, and I'm living my life intentionally, I think, I love that I get to spend this time with my kids while they're young. I love taking such good care of them. I love preparing and feeding them healthy foods. I love serving them. I love keeping them clean and in clean clothes. And suddenly the same work becomes an honor to do. 
I can wash their dirty little faces and clean up after them with love and feel so much gratitude for the moment. And as a result, I feel so connected to them. And even when they're spilling things on the floor repeatedly and just being kids, doing things on purpose even maybe, their actions I see don't dictate my feelings and the work doesn't either. It's remarkable. So it's not the work you're doing or the actions you're taking that make you fall in love with your life. It's the fuel that you use to do the work, to take the actions. The fuel, which is your emotions, they are what drive your life and your experience of it. And this is so helpful for me to remember too, because I've often thought, I'll finally relax once I've completed this task, or I'll feel so proud once I've done all this work. But the work or the accomplishing of it doesn't create my feelings. My thoughts about my work do. And I can choose to think about my work in a way that fuels me forward and helps me feel more connected to my life. Or I can think about my work in a way that makes me miserable as I do it and resent the work. I can think, I'll complete this task whenever I'd like. And I can feel relaxed in the process. And also, I'm so proud that I'm doing this. And I don't have to wait until the work is over to feel relaxed and proud. It's a really beautiful thing to experience. So we've discussed how our actions create our results that we have in our lives and how our actions don't create our feelings. Our thoughts create our feelings, which fuel our actions and then give us our results. We can know what actions we want to take and not do them. For example, we know we want to be present with our kids and enjoy them, but instead we're distracted and frustrated at their interruptions. Or we can take the actions we want, but the fuel is anxiety-filled. For example, when we do all the right things to take care of our families, but we still don't feel connected to them. We desire results where we are connected to our families and thriving in our relationships and confident in handling conflict and flexible when we need to be. So how do we get there? I believe the first step is settling into this idea. My actions can't make me more or less worthy of love. I am already worthy and lovable. What if this is true? Truly, what if you're already whole and amazing and lovable and beautiful? Now, sure, there may have been people in your life who have said terribly painful things to you about your worth and your lovability, and you may have carried those memories with you for years. I would like to submit to you that they had their own stuff going on, their own issues, their own drama, and no matter what they blame you for, Their work is to deal with their own emotions and yours is to rest in your own lovability and worthiness. What is the benefit to believing the opposite? That, you know, you're not worthy and lovable. Like, is there a benefit to believing that? What are you missing out on by believing you're broken and not lovable or less worthy? You're missing out on peace and rest, and connection, and happiness, and joy, and all the good things in life. I just don't see an upside to staying in that place where you're thinking, I'm just not lovable. 
And I know that we sometimes get stuck in places because of how we feel. And we think, because I feel guilty, I must have done something wrong. Or because I feel shame, I must be a miserable person. And I get that. But we've talked extensively in previous episodes that our feelings are not who we are. They are how we are experiencing our life, but they are not us. So yes, your actions are vitally important because they do create the results that you have in your life. And if you look at everything you have around you, every possession, every decision you make is an action that you've taken in your life. Your actions and your results don't make you more worthy though, period. They can benefit or take away value in your life, but they don't make who you are more valuable. So I want you to pay attention this week. What emotional fuel are you using to inspire your actions? If you start noticing, you're going to gain so much beautiful awareness of what you're actually experiencing in your life. And when you're noticing that you're getting stuck in some painful belief about yourself, I invite you to pause, take a deep breath and say, even though it feels like this, I, I have the option to believe that maybe I'm actually worthy of love. Maybe I am lovely and beautiful and whole and I just can't see it yet, but I'm willing to see where I am. And just start with this willingness to believe this because it's the truth. It, like we can't even change it. We can't alter it. Your creator has already said you're lovable and worthy of love. And, and so nothing that we can do or say can detract from that. It may feel that way, but our feelings don't define reality in the broader context. They just define the reality we're living, the one it feels like for us. So pay attention this week and anytime that you notice you're trying to do something so that you can feel worthy of love or accomplish something so that someone will be proud of you and approve of you so that you can feel loved, start noticing this. You don't have to change it. Just start noticing it and don't make it another reason why you feel bad about yourself. Just notice it and notice it with compassion and gently remind yourself There's nothing that I can do to make myself more or less worthy of love, period. End of story. That's the end. The fat lady has sung. It's over. Like nothing. And we get to rest in that. And it's a beautiful place to be. You are loved and you are whole and you are worthy of love. Because your creator decided that already. And he loves you more than ever. Anybody else could ever possibly love you. So yeah, this week, just start noticing, paying attention. And if you have questions, reach out. I would love to answer those at info at meganbunner.com or I have a comment section on my website. Um, At the very bottom of the website, you can send me a message and it's www.meganbunner.com. All right. I hope you have a beautiful week and I look forward to being with you next time. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Hey, if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts to let me know what you think and to help others find happy from the inside out. Obviously, I hope you're learning a lot and able to feel more connected to and in charge of your life. If so, please leave me a five-star review with your favorite takeaways. 
That said, I do want your honest feedback so that I can be sure the information is relevant and useful to you. And if you are ready to dive deeper in this work, make sure you sign up to do a free consult with me. During this hour together, we'll look at the specific struggles you're facing and why nothing else is working. I'll share my insights on why you're not happy and the work I think that will change that dramatically. Whether or not we choose to work together, you'll leave with tools to get started on your journey. If you're stuck, this is something you don't want to miss. Sign up at bit.ly forward slash heymegan. That's H-E-Y-M-E-A-G-A-N. I'll see you soon.